0: wherever you are anyway God bless you and I hope you enjoy the podcast thank you worship team good morning Grantham Church thanks for joining us in worship today if you're visiting with us welcome my name is David Flowers I'm the senior pastor here at Grantham yes our children invited kids on worship at this time if you want to do that or you can remain in here with us We have a guest speaker this morning. Before I introduce him, I want to give you a little update here. Um, As most of you know, we are a part of a small group of pastors. Uh, We call it the Gospel Saturation. And really, the Gospel Saturation idea is all about recognizing that there is one church in our region and there is one kingdom that we are called to further, amen? We are not in competition with other local congregations. Uh, we want to work together to further the gospel in our area, that every man, woman, and child would have repeated opportunities to hear the gospel and to be transformed by it. And so part of that group, we've gotten to know several pastors, and one of them has been Maxie. Uh, Ben has served as the pastor of teaching and ministry development at Living Waters Community Church, uh, one of the congregations that's a part of our gospel saturation group. And Ben has been there for 13 years. Uh, He partners with the lead pastor, uh, Mike Leonzo, some of you may know him, to assist with teaching during the Sunday worship services. And when he's not scheduled to teach, he oversees the adult discipleship ministries, the baptism process, and membership pathway. He's married to Katya, they have two children, Bella and Gabe, who are here this morning in worship. He graduated from the University of Houston and Dallas Theological Seminary where he met his wife. And lastly, being a transplant from Texas, like myself, Ben says he prefers the warmer seasons in central Pennsylvania. Would you please give a warm Grantham Church welcome to Ben Maxey this morning.
1: Well, good morning, Gratham. It's good to see you all out this morning. Thanks for letting me be here and in your presence. I want to, of course, thank Pastor David uh, for inviting me and allowing me to speak uh, for the place that God has entrusted to him. I want to thank Pastor Melissa as well. Uh, has been so kind and uh, shown such hospitality as we've been part of the gospel saturation meetings and prayers uh, each month. And Pastor Dave, who I had a chance just to meet today, so a uh, wonderful job in worship. Uh, if you have your Bibles, let's uh, open up the text to a very familiar passage that uh, Pastor Dave is. I've covered with you on before, we'll look again at this and just let it be a reminder today uh, of what you've heard in the past. Uh, We're in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, a very familiar passage. Once you find that, if you wouldn't mind standing for the reading of God's Word. That's kind of one of the traditions that we do at our church, just out of respect for God. And today we'll be just looking at verses 4 through 13. I'll read aloud as you follow along silently, and I will read uh, from the NIV translation just in case you might have a different translation. Picking up at verse 4, we find the words written by Paul. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Verse eight, love never fails, but where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there's knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put away the ways of childhood behind me. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror, then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known." And finally, verse 13, "'And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love.'" This is the word of the Lord. Do you mind buying for a moment of prayer with me as I ask the Lord's blessing on our time? Father in heaven, we thank you for the opportunities that you provide us in this life to do good works and be an encouragement to our brothers and sisters in the Lord Jesus Christ. I so appreciated what Pastor Dave prayed prayed earlier, that Lord, we don't seek to serve you to entertain others or for our own self-aggrandizement, but Lord, to have another opportunity to encourage people to love. We want to glorify you and honor you in all that is said and done. Lord, we come into this place with many distractions from our lives. Would you put them to the side for a few moments? and may your spirit use an earthen vessel to work through, to edify and direct your people. As I speak, Lord, let them not hear me, but hear you. Would you direct their thoughts? You know each person in every detail about them, even the number of hairs that are on their head. Would you guide them in the way that you want them to go? I ask these things that you would do them by your spirit in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, the one you have raised from the dead. It is in his name that we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you. Several years ago I was returning from lunch with my lead pastor and on this particular day we had been out to lunch eating some pizza and we were on our way back and he needed to stop by One of the stores that was on our path to pick up some items uh, that were needed at the office that day. Uh, And so we made a stop at the store, we went in the store, and I I just kind of followed him around as he walked through the aisles, knowing specifically what he was looking for, and he picked up the various items that he needed, and we made our way to the checkout counter. When we arrived at the register, there was a new employee who had just started working there, I guess within the last week or two. Who had been employed there and he kind of let us know that he was new and as he was working there uh, we had a chance to start to check out but as he started to ring up the things for some reason the register was malfunctioning and so he began to explain to us that he couldn't check us out at that precise moment and so we began to then inquire about other forms of payment you know like hey okay if we can't use a card can we use cash to check out so that we can leave and get back to the church and he said, well, 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 the way our system works, our, our point of sale system, the way that it works is that you need to be connected to the internet in order for any form of payment to be accepted. And we just simply believed him. And so we stood there for several minutes trying to figure out how to resolve the issue. We needed the item, he needed the money, and we didn't wanna leave unless that was resolved. After standing there for a number of minutes and moments of being part of, of the service, there uh, and waiting. Another employee came from the back room and you could tell by his demeanor on his face, the way that he walked uh, and ultimately his tone of voice that he was not pleased with the way that this new employee was handling the situation. He was visibly frustrated. Uh, He made this statement when he arrived to his fellow co-worker. I told you that we were still connected to the internet, you just needed to refresh the page. And just as our cashier began to try to resolve the issue and explain to his coworker what was happening, he said to him in response, move, I'll do it. And sure enough, he did it. In a matter of moments where we had been waiting for several minutes, he solved the issue and we were able to complete our purchase and we were on our way. But as we were preparing to leave, both Pastor Mike and I couldn't help but notice the sense of embarrassment on the face of this employee who had helped us. And so we as pastors tried to give a word of encouragement before we left, realizing what had just happened in that situation. It was this incident that made me realize that our work environments might not be places that we experience love from other people. Instead, we may work with others who are being consumed in some way by the pursuit of self-interest, We definitely see it in our society around us. If we watch the evening news, or perhaps you're one who enjoys reading the news instead, and so you venture out onto your preferred website and you read it. But if you're like me, you've probably discovered that love seems to be absent, even from places that we might expect it to be. For instance, we hear about reports of domestic violence or there's some form of parental neglect of a child. We observe it perhaps while we're shopping. There's these verbal expressions of frustrations while people are in the grocery line or in some shopping line, and and for some reason they've been inconvenienced and have to wait a little bit longer than expected. Perhaps in the comments they make under their breath, the roll of their eyes or the way that they posture their body, we know that they're not happy with having to wait. We pay attention when couples in our churches or friends that we know of who've been married, sometimes for years, no longer want to work things out. And they make their way to the nearest courthouse and file for divorce. We're appalled when we discover that someone has caused an accident by careless behavior because perhaps they were so focused on their text they weren't paying attention to where they were driving or the displays of angers that sometimes we witness in road
0: rage. His definition here
1: is not a, a comprehensive but a specific definition of love. I believe that Paul was thinking about the Corinthian situation, their behavior, and how it was not very Christian. And then he thought about what defined love for him. And what would define love, as we know from Paul's writings, was when he looked at God and specifically what God had done in giving his unique son, sinless son, Jesus Christ, who gave his life for our sins so that we, the sinners, could be forgiven. And when Paul thought about God's love in Christ, he thought about one specific act in human history. And this one historical act of Jesus' self-giving ultimately defined and shaped what love looked like for Paul forever. Because Paul had realized something that he had experienced in his ministry that God's love through Christ had mended our relationship with God, and he knew that loving others with the love that he had received from Christ could help us mend our relationships, not only in the church, but in society. Because the truth is, God's love changes relationships. As we look at the text, we notice that Paul decides to, in his shaping out of the text, to picture it as a person who is in a relationship with other people. And by describing how love acts, he demonstrated the lasting beauty of love and at the same time, the less than godly behavior of the Corinthian believers. Now due to the way that Paul phrases these verses, we could easily substitute where we find the word love, God or Jesus and read the statements and all of the statements would remain true. And we can thus infer from this that God is love. However, what I want to do today, which I think is far more beneficial for us, is to replace the word love with our own name and ask the question is this how I behave in my relationships with people? And so, as a mental exercise for today, as I work through the text, as we look at each definition that Paul lays out for us. As I read the word love, simply insert your name and ask the question, is this how I behave in my relationships with people? Verse 4 in the text, the text reads, love is patient. In verse 5, we see that it is not easily angered. As we think about Jesus, we realize that Jesus himself was patient in his earthly ministry. If you want to know where I get that from, simply think about his relationships of how he encountered and interacted with his disciples in light of their spiritual dullness at times in ministry. How often Jesus had to repeat things that he had already taught them because they didn't seem to get the point, even if it had been about the same topic. Patience means having a long temper. You're not quickly or easily angered. It it, it waits without seeking to retaliate when you've suffered a wrong. Peter, in his letter that he would write many years later, gives us an example of how God is being patient when he wrote these words. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promises. Some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. So are you patient with people? What's your temper like when you're at the red light and the person in front of you hasn't moved as quickly as you want? When you're inconvenienced in the store line, are you frustrated? When you're in the fast food line, is fast food fast enough for you? What about Amazon? When you've ordered a package and it has not arrived in the intended time that you thought that they said on the website, it should have arrived. Are you then questioning and frustrated in their worker effectiveness? Paul goes on to say, love is kind. Love shows generosity to those who do not deserve it. This is the way Jesus put it when he was in his ministry. He said, listen, God makes his son to rise on the evil and on the good. He sends his reign on the just and the unjust. New Testament scholar David Garland gives some words of insight when he writes these words. Kindness responds to the others with the same tender heart and forgiveness that God has shown to us in Christ. Kindness recognizes that everyone carries a heavy burden. Are you kind in your relationships with other people? Are you sensitive to the burdens that others might be carrying that causes them to act the way that they do? When was the last time that someone noted your kindness toward others? Paul goes on and says, love does not envy Love does not have these intense, negative feelings about others when they experience success or some achievement in their lives that you or I have not attained. See, jealousy often arises in our hearts when, as Pastor David has talked about on a previous occasion, our real loves on the inside is our personal advancement. See, love is happy when other people win and succeed. It doesn't sit in the background saying, it should have been me. Is there someone who's left you boiling inside because they received or achieved something that you think that you deserve? Maybe there's someone that you know of. You've assessed their skill set, their abilities, their knowledge, their background, and you've compared it to yours, and you like, they don't even have as half as much as I have. And yet, for one reason or another, they have achieved or been giving something or been, you've been passed over, and you're fuming inside. Brothers and sisters, I would offer to you That's not love. Paul says love does not boast and love is not proud. Sometimes this works out in very subtle ways in our lives. Let me ask it this way. Do you talk yourself up in conversations with other people, even to the point it might put them in a bad light? When you think about yourself, do you have a high view of yourself or see yourself in some way as superior to others? And you don't mind occasionally, maybe in some very gentle ways, knowing that. Do you find yourself wanting to be the center of attention, always directing the conversation back to yourself and your achievements? Paul says love doesn't act that way in relationships with other people. Love listens because love cares about other people. Doesn't seek to make other people feel like an underprivileged Christian because they lack something that you have, be that knowledge, some skill, a background that you possess, or some possession, or even like the Corinthians, some spiritual gift. Love seeks instead to encourage and build others up. Verse 5: Paul says: love does not dishonor others. The concept here encompasses acting indecently or behaving in some shameful manner. We have several instances in the letter to the Corinthians of two instances. One, there's a, a, a man who has an inappropriate relationship with a relative that he shouldn't have. Uh, there's places where they seem to be acting greeting at the Lord's table instead of waiting. Others are consuming food and not letting those who don't have as much arrive to participate. Love doesn't seek to make inappropriate comments to others or off-color jokes. It's not crude or, or rude in its conversations with or about others, because love holds a high moral standard. It seeks to edify others with its words. And if this were the test, if someone were to follow you around and record your conversations, would you say that you're a loving person based on this test? Love does not insist on its own way, or as the NIV renders it, it is not self-seeking. Love is not selfish. Love has a high concern for other people. It does not fail to take into consideration the needs of others in the pursuit of self-gain, self-justification, or self-worth. Paul alludes as much to this in Philippians chapter 2, verse 4. Because love looks out for the interest of others and gives to others without expecting anything in return. Because love doesn't have an attitude inside that says, What can you do for me? Instead, love's attitude is, how can I serve you like Christ has served me? Would you say that describes you? Love is not resentful. Here are the way that the NIV renders it. it. It expresses the concept of this love does not keep a list of wrongs. The idea here is that whether physically or mentally, you have a little black book. And in that book, you keep track of, in your mind or on paper, how others have wronged you. And you don't release them until you've had a chance to pay them back. Perhaps a person has wronged you in the past, and they call you up one day and say, hey, can you help me move some furniture? And you say to them, "Uh, I'm busy right now, although you're really available. And you just check it off. Pay them back. doesn't mean that love is blind. Love is aware of wrongs done, but as Paul says in Romans chapter 12, It seeks to overcome evil with good. Think back to the cross of Christ. When he was experiencing great injustice, he prayed not for wrath, but for forgiveness. And when he had the opportunity to visit it upon them, he said, Father, forgive them. And so I ask you, only you know and only you need to know Is there someone in your life that you're seeking to pay back for the wrong that they've done to you? Is retaliation on your agenda? If it is, remember Christ and how he acted on the cross. Verse 6, love does not delight in evil but rejoices with the truth. Here Paul contrasts evil and truth. We might give the gloss to the word evil as injustice or unrighteousness. Here you simply need to remind yourselves of so the Corinthians and how they were taking one another to court other believers for whatever reasons it was. Gordon Fee, New, another New Testament scholar, I love what he says here. He says, look, a person who's living in love, such a person refuses to take delight in evil, either in its more global forms, war, the suppression of the poor, or in those close to home, the fall of a brother or sister, a child's misdeed. And love absolutely rejects the most pernicious form of rejoicing over evil, gossiping about another's misdeeds. It is not gladden when someone else falls. Love instead stands on the side of the gospel and looks for mercy and justice for all, including those with whom we disagree. Do you see yourself in that description? Verse 7, Paul's concluding thoughts on love. Love always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love's not gullible, or another rendering of this verse, I think, sheds light on it when it writes, it has no limits. It never tires of support, never loses faith, never exhausts hope, never gives up. Or as Fee goes on to remark, the life that is so touched by the never-ceasing love of God and Christ is in turn enabled by the Spirit to love others in the same way. It trusts God on the behalf of the one love, hopes to the end that God will show mercy in that person's behalf. What a snapshot of love that we have here as Paul tailors this to the Corinthians situation. And when we look back over these scriptures, we ask ourselves, is that me in my relationships with other people? Well, if you, as you were working your way through the checklist, you sound that, hey, look, that, that's not really me. The good news is that God is patient and God is kind.
0: And if you ask him, He is willing by his spirit to not only is what God would want you to do and never
1: use one of these spiritual gifts. But you can never live your Christian life without love. You'll miss exactly what the Christian life is about. Let me conclude with this story and we'll end our time together. A few years ago I was talking to a member at our church, a brother, and he shared a story with me from his past. His, he and his next door neighbor had been in a hostile relationship to the point that they avoided one another. And it was one of those years when there was a snowstorm that hit and the snow had been heavy. And after the storm was over, he went out to shovel his driveway. And as he was shoveling his driveway, a thought occurred to him as he looked overhead at his next door neighbor's driveway and thinking about his age and where he was at in life. And the thought said to him, why don't you shovel your neighbor's driveway as well? And he said immediately he put up resistance to the thought because of the relationship that he had with his neighbor and he thought to himself, you know, why in the world would I shovel my neighbor's driveway when we don't even get along? But then another thought appeared in his mind, but don't you want to follow Jesus? And so in the midst of that, he was faced with internally, would he give into his flesh and simply serve his own self-interest or would he follow Jesus Christ and serve his neighbor? And on that particular day, he walked by the Spirit. He went over and he shoveled his neighbor's driveway. Some time passed, his neighbor came out to shovel his driveway and to notice that it had already been done for him. And so he went to inquire who had done this for him. And when he found out that it was a neighbor that he had a hostile relationship with, his friend said he had an unexpected reaction. The man began to cry. He began to shed tears. Brothers and sisters, as God gives us opportunity in this world to display His love to others, even to others we perhaps don't get along with well, when we live by the Spirit and love others as Christ has loved us, God has a way of using that to melt icy hearts. What is the point of this message? Brothers and sisters, as God provides you with opportunity, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength. And the second is like unto the first love your neighbor as yourself. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the truth of your word in which Paul has written so many years ago that still has benefit for us today. We honor you and we praise you that you are working with us as off as we might be in loving, as imperfect as we might be. And we pray that, Lord, you continue to form in us the very image of Christ. Help us to love in the same way you have loved us. May your word guide us, may the example of Christ guide us in our daily interactions with other people. We ask these things for your glory and for our good. In Jesus' name we pray,
0: amen. Let's respond to God's love for us. Please stand join us in singing.